This is Grow With The Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Out Of The Gutter, Behind The Brother. We've made every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Jimmy and Jesse Olang, our Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania franchisees. We're going to discuss their story and how they've grown their business so quickly. So uh, this all starts way back when, and I'm going to let Ken uh, kind of hop right in here. Okay, well, I guess it started probably back in 19, I want to say 1996, when when I was on a missions trip to Kenya, Africa, oh. ended up being one of the best trips I ever made in my <laughs> life because I met you, Jimmy. <laughs> and what was so cool about it is I can't remember all the details, but you know, Africa was such a beautiful place, uh, the Great Rift Valley. Uh, but I got to meet you, I got to meet your family. And uh, what was cool, as far as I can remember, Somehow we got on the conversation of some of your family was already here in the United States and that you were kind of like the, one of the last ones out of a family of what, eight or nine? Nine. Nine. Wow. One of the last ones to come over and join the rest of them over in the United States. And I remember you saying that after we had talked about, you know, what I did over there that you had mentioned I want to come and work for you when I come over there. And I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, I was like, you know, how is he, you know, you already had family over there. So I was like, okay, maybe he is going to come over there. But, you know, it's just one of those things you say in passing to somebody and then you never think you're ever going to see him again. So that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, And uh, I guess uh, what's your side of the, that story? How do you remember it? Actually, we. <laughs> I think he remembers it the opposite. Uh, well, <laughs> I think there are some similarities there. I think it's been a long time. So obviously, '96. You know, I. You know, usually my wife says I don't even remember what you know we we ate for dinner last night. So, uh, but to the best of my recollection, I mean that's most of it is pretty true. Which is, you know, I met you when you came for a mission trip, and uh, I still remember it was actually you and. Um, and some of, I think there were probably about 20 of you guys who came. And um, I think uh, Nick, uh, who was uh, uh, at the time, uh, um, I think a junior pastor for the church we used to go to, um, that you used to go to uh, in New York. And uh, so we're talking uh, as a group there. And, uh, you know, we're kind of say, asking each other, like, oh, so what do you do? And uh, and what is, and I, I think I was, I just got out of high school, so I wasn't doing anything. And you're talking about, you know, I own a, uh, a gutter business and, uh, and I had no idea what that was. And I kind of just, oh, okay. <laughs> so I kind of kept it moving. And then, um, and then uh, you, I remember you asking me, like, so uh, when are you coming to the United States? And I just said, uh, you know, someday I was hoping I would come at some point. And then I remember you actually saying that, well, if you, if you come to America, I'll give you a job. There you go. I was recruiting from day one. That was, that was it. Always be recruiting. <laughs> He drove. She. He flew all the way to Africa just to recruit. Uh, and, um, just recruit. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, and then yeah, like you said, you know, you you came back, and uh, you know, like I think we we basically just, you know, kind of lost touch. And then I remember, then coming to the United States, and uh, we ended up meeting again. So. Yeah, I believe we met like almost a year later. You were there, yeah. and it was a Sunday morning. 
at church. Yes. And we were in the back, I think, by the sound booth. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you, you know, you were there. And then you said, hey, can I come to work for you tomorrow? <laughs> actually, so, yeah, it was at Sunday morning. And it was actually, I think, as the service was ending. Again, my, you know, my recollection is a little fuzzy. But you actually came out on, on the parking lot. And you're actually wearing your African attire that you had been given as a gift when you came to Kenya. And wow. I think you did that intentionally. He said last you... night, I think he did that intentionally just to screw <laughs> me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. I know. Whatever it takes. Know. You know, when you're hiring talent, you, you got to do whatever it takes. Yeah, I, 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 hey, you never took me out for, you know, a steak dinner. So I'm still waiting for that. That's the best <laughs> All these years. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, think yeah, we went, I think we went to carnivores when we were in Kenya. Didn't you come on that? No, I, we oh. didn't. At the time, we were not even allowed in those, uh, you know, those kinds of places. We mm. were just, uh, you know, the regular folks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm Stop. dying to hear about your first day. Yo, like, my first day. story for the ages. Yeah. Well, I, let me just back up a little bit and actually talk about, you know, a, a little bit of my, about my background. Okay, sure. Yeah, definitely. Before meeting uh, Kenny, actually. So, um, you know, I grew up, obviously, in the villages of, of Africa in a small town called Oyugis. And, uh, um, you know, uh, the second born of seven children. So, uh, uh, and we were partly raised by my grandmother and partly raised by my parents. So, in the village, you know, it was just a typical village life. Everything was very simple. Uh, you know, you you tilled the land and you, you grew crops and you went, you know, you went hunting and you went to the market and you walked to school for miles, you know, to, you know, bare feet with tattered shorts and stuff like that. And, and so it was a really, really simple upbringing, but, you know, a really, really nice one too. And, and it kind of just, you know, taught us the appreciating simple things in life and, and working hard and, and having those, um, you know, those core values that make you, you know, um, it, they give you, you know, a, sort of like a, a you know, a ha- upper hand, uh, you know, when you grow up and, and things like that. So that's kind of how I grew up. When I was 13, I moved to the city uh, to do my high school. And then from high school, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Uh, so an opportunity came for me to go to Germany. So um, just I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. So I went to Germany there for a few months, learned a little bit of the language. Um, and then the opportunities didn't pan out the way I thought it would. So I came back home not knowing what to do. And then I started, I was pretty good at art. So I was, you know, painting and selling them to galleries and stuff. And, uh, that doesn't really pay bills. So I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And then hence I met uh, Kenny and I guess that was kind of like the start of a, uh, you know, of, of, of something that would, uh, that would, uh, you know, end up, uh, having me come to America. So I have a question for you. What's the difference? I mean, you said you grew up in the village. What's the difference between a village like where you grew up in Africa and the difference between a village that you guys kind of live in right now in Allentown, Pennsylvania? <laughs> it's funny because we're actually, we were, Jesse and I were talking about some of these things yesterday. And it's just, it's unbelievable when people talk about, you know, say, for instance, poverty in America, you know, what's considered like a village. Yeah. And what you guys probably consider as poverty here is, you know, sometimes that's middle class in, in Kenya. So for us, uh, or for me, growing up in the village where sometimes you're going to bed without food, or you only have like this much food, and you have to basically, 
you know, eat a certain amount so you can spare the rest of it for the next two days. I mean, that was uh, really poverty. I mean, I can remember a couple of nights I went to bed hungry because we just didn't have enough. So uh, for me, it's, it's a completely different mindset, what people consider poverty here, where, you know, you can go to a dollar store and for like five bucks, you can feed an entire army, you know, versus, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. So that was kind of, that's the difference, I think. Wow. That's amazing. So now, you're on a plane, you're heading to America to, to meet up with your family. Was this in the back of your mind or was this something that, were you thinking like, I hope I see that guy because I want a job? Or no, I mean, I think for me, it was just an opportunity open to come to America. And I think, it, and I, I remember saying that if I ever had that opportunity, just like most people I think do, they want that opportunity because whatever backgrounds they're from doesn't award them that. And so for me, just coming to America was an opportunity by itself. I didn't care what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do. I think I probably already forgot about Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, here I was. And- I, am for- I am pretty forgettable. No! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, uh, and then, uh, and then we reconnected. And uh, then it just the relationship started from there. Um, so. That's great. So before we get into your first day, how did you and Jesse meet? How did all this come about? Oh, she likes to tell this part of the story. I, so do I? Uh, well, we um, we actually met online on a Christian dating site. It was, yeah, at the time it was like a little bit like mm, embarrassing to tell people like, yeah, we met online. Now it's like completely normal. But yeah, and then um, yeah, I, I mean, we were we were working. He was working two jobs. I was working as a teacher in Pennsylvania. He was in New York. And so, um, you know, we met, we, everything happened pretty quickly, I guess. And we were engaged within a few months and married within a year. And, uh, and then she moved to New York. I moved up to New York. Yeah. To uh, be with this crazy guy here who was working two jobs. He was working for what I always said was a high end gutter company because that's what I <laughs> perceived it as. Like he talked about that's you guys what I so portrayed highly. Yeah. It as. <laughs> he was just selling Older parents. Oh, no, no, no. It's a high-end gutter company, guys. Seriously. What do you mean? You're marrying a guy whose head is in the gutter every day? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That guy can't be a Christian. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You can't be a Christian and keep your head in the gutter. Not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is great. And we'll definitely, we'll dig in a little bit deeper there, too. Um, But all right, Jimmy, you know, I've got Ken's side of the first day and i'd love to hear your side of the first day oh my gosh I'd like, to hear, embarrassing. I'd like to hear his first uh his uh, take on my first day well my first right. still, uh, uh, well when he got oh, no, i want to tell my sides first and then I <laughs> oh, oh, okay i think i i do i do remember you being dropped off by i think your dad dropped you off that's right yeah, yeah. all right so, um, so again, uh, going back to that Sunday morning, you know, he goes, so are you ready to work? And I said, yes, absolutely. And he said, so, and I asked like, what are we doing? He's like, well, uh, you're going to come to the shop and, you know, we're going to jump into a truck and then, uh, you know, we're going to install some gutters. Again, he never explained what gutters were other than he said it's a rain system. <laughs> and that's it. So I have no idea what to expect. You know, in Kenya, rain is just rain. So first day... <laughs> I'm in shorts and flip-flops and my dad drops me off. And obviously my dad didn't prep me either because I don't think he knew what I was going to say. He should have known. And what, what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of shirt were you wearing? 
Oh man, I don't remember. But it, it was a white tank top. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was eating a lot, of Jesse. I, was, I would have loved it. I was, I, was, I was pretty muscular back then. Yeah. Oh my word, yeah. Yeah. But I showed up and, uh, you know, to the address that you gave us, and there was. It was your mother's uh, house. And, yeah. Right. I, I, I believe it was. And, uh, Humble beginnings, right? Yeah. I, and there the, was bar, this, the barn was, uh, I, I had a dirt floor. It was a little barn or shed or whatever, barely yeah. hanging, right? It was red, I think it was, really small. Yeah. And there's a park truck right over there. And it's like, yep, there we go. We're ready for work. And uh, we kind of just threw some materials in the truck. And uh, it was me and you. I think at the time it was just me and you. Or there was this other kid, Zagami. Daniel Zagami. Dan. Dan the man. Dan I don't Dan. remember if you came after or I don't really recall. But that was us. So we went out. And our first day on the job was actually a construction um, a site. Uh, it was one of the, I believe, the Toll Brothers. Okay. And uh, oh yeah, I didn't. So it was pretty high up, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, I have to climb this thing up this ladder." <laughs> I had never, I'd never climbed a ladder. I'd never used tools before, and yeah. uh, so it kind of started showing me. Oh, this is. What I, I, I think you were the first person to ever climb a ladder in flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So you, you 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 hit your first day. You get up on a ladder. Um, did you think about not coming back? Yeah, I don't remember, but I, I just kind of thought, well, that was a hard job, mm. you know, and I, I, it wasn't what I thought. I thought it was, I was going to be sitting in some kind of a shop selling something. So it's just not what I expected. But I think I, I just, you know, I came back the next day and I think Kenny was asking me, so, so what do you think? Are you coming back? Uh, and uh, <laughs> I guess I must have came back because here I am. <laughs> I th My he probably liked that that we stopped for lunch. Yeah, you bought us lunch. I think that was a way yeah. to just keep me mm -hmm. coming. The way yeah. to everybody's heart in the beginning, just Ooh. buying lunch. Yep. Yeah, that was my favorite part. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, lunch. Gosh, yeah. All right. So now, as you start sticking it out, what did you like about it? I mean, you know, you had quite a long history before going on your own. What did you like about the gutter business? Oh, you know. I don't know that there was anything in particular that I liked about gutters. For me, at the time, it was just a job. You know what I mean? That was my mindset and that was my thinking. I was earning American dollars and that was just great, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think that as I began to kind of grow uh, in the company, um, I started to feel like, hey, you know, this is something that I, I can actually uh, do for a living. Um, you know, I started enjoying it. Uh, because I think one of the things that was so great about it is that you could go get something done and stand back and see it yeah. and admire your accomplishment. Um, so from that standpoint, I think, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed also the idea of going to different places, different homes every day and being able to meet different clients um, and different people. Uh, and that was great for me to see. So I remember I started talking when Jesse and I met and uh, I would tell her about gutters, and all of a sudden now she had eyes for gutters. She could <laughs> gutter eyes. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Now, at what point? I mean, so you're you're. When did it turn from a job to kind of like an opportunity? So you went from job to career, and then it went to you were thinking about actually, you know, buying a franchise. 
Like, what was that evolution? What took place in your life to get to the point where this was no longer going to be your career, but you wanted to take it to the next level of business ownership? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it obviously was a journey. I think uh, I worked uh, in New York for about 13 years uh, with the brothers. Um, when I came on, it, it was just a truck. There was Kenny in a truck. We went, we did jobs and you got paid and Kenny just paid us, paid me for the week. And that was it. Um, and at the time, I believe that, you know, even the idea of having systems in place was not even, you know, in discussion. So it was just like a gutter job, a gutter company, just like everybody did it. Basically, you know, one man show with an apprentice and, uh, and it, it felt okay. You know, I earned a paycheck at the end of the week and, and then it paid the bills. Um, but then I saw all the struggles that came with that. I, I can't remember how many times we got, you know, the truck broke down. It was leaking oil in a client's, you know, a driveway. <laughs> how many times, you know, uh, you know, Kenny would have us being towed would be sitting on the side of the road for hours. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. So I saw the chaos and the mess that came with not having a system in place. And I think, um, you know, as we, you know, as you guys started kind of, um, you know, educating yourselves on how to be able to run a business, uh, you know, associating yourselves with, with coaches and stuff and started developing those systems, I started to see order and, um, you know, a, a process, an actual process that now came from, you know, that gave opportunities for someone like me to not just be an apprentice, mm -hmm. but actually have a path to being something better and more. I, I vividly remember when Job, Jimmy's brother, was also working for you guys and he got injured. And so he got, he was out of the field for a long time and Job was sort of leading. Right. Uh, and I remember Jimmy being like, oh, they, you know, they want me to lead. They need me to lead, basically. This was like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, 2010, oh, man. right? 2000, 2000. Yeah. So, um, so he's saying they want me to lead. I'm really like, I, he was not interested. He did not care to like step into that role and lead. Yeah. Um, and I think he, we were talking about this the other day. Like we always, we always knew that he couldn't hang gutters forever. Um, but there wasn't like a real plan in our minds of like what comes next. I think we always assumed that I would get a teaching job in New York. And that would supplement and then we'd be able, you know, we, but I, I was, that was just not possible. I would, I kept applying for positions and there was like 200 applicants. You couldn't even get uh, an interview, even though I had teaching experience, it was frustrating. So it started to become more and more evident that like, okay, I'm not going to be teaching. What are we doing? What are we doing? Right. And I remember him saying he didn't want to lead, but you guys terrified he I was mean, like no that's not me i was, can't do it i can't like he didn't want to and i was I, like well babe if they think that you should leave you need to leave like i i know that they say there's not like you know leadership can be uh i don't know developed right and that was jimmy's story i was always sort of like a natural leader i was like come on man step up let's go yeah. but he was like no i'm not doing it but it I, was, I, that was a huge turning point yeah oh, yeah when you guys that rolled was. out skills ladder was the turning point because all of a sudden it was tangible and it was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like if I do X, Y, Z, I can make this amount. I can get to this position. I can. And all of a sudden there was like a clear path in his mind. And it, I saw a switch over in him 
And then we would like be up late doing book reports and stuff. It'd be like typing it up for him. I thought everything needed to be just perfect, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that if, if it wasn't for my brother getting hurt and then kind of, because at the time that again, like I said, there wasn't a process (laughs) in place. So there wasn't the recruiting. I remember was, uh, you know, you, you know, I remember you guys were struggling with recruiting as well, just like, you know, because it just wasn't any system in place. There wasn't any promise of where someone can can go. So I think there wasn't much to be able to attract people. So for me, I, I was very comfortable just being the helper uh, to my yeah. brother who was a lead guy. And until he got hurt, it forced me then to now take on the leadership role, which I hated, didn't want it. I really struggled with it. Uh, but, but you guys didn't have a bench. There was no bench of uh, recruits. Somebody else. It all fell on you. Because of that, I, I mean, that's where my leadership uh, sort of uh, capabilities started to develop from that. So sometimes I think the, sort of the, the moral of the story there is sometimes, I mean, you got to be thrown into the thick yeah. of things and you have to swim or sink. Is yeah, it sink, sink, or yeah, swim. sink or swim? Uh, And we learned a lot right there. Like that for us was a huge pivotal learning point as the owners, because there's a lot of times we tell ourselves, oh, this person can't do it, you know, but then when like things get real and something happens and people are forced to step up, it's amazing what we can accomplish. And um, you have, you had what we call second man syndrome, where you're just comfortable, you know, second man, I'm good. I I don't want to run the company. I don't want to be in charge of anything. I just want to go to work, do my job. And I see that in people and, you know, it's a, I don't know if it's okay or not. It's where they want to be, but it's amazing that if, if that didn't happen and that chain of events didn't happen, you probably wouldn't be where you are today. That opportunity to to lead and go and stretch yourself. So I really do feel like as, as um, owners of companies, as managers, if you have people working under you, it's your duty to not like wait till something, you know, tragic happens, but to literally, how do you create an atmosphere where you can help stretch them? Because it's amazing what people can accomplish. And it's amazing what you were able to accomplish. And I remember you literally would like, not want to come in, you'd be, you'd be going out on your own, because you messed up a job, but you didn't want to tell us, and you'd go out on a Saturday and fix it on your own, like your heart was like in your, you know, throat. Right. right for like weeks and weeks and weeks. I would be so stressed out, and uh, I didn't. I wanted. I didn't want to disappoint you guys. I wanted everything to be great. So, I just. I was constantly so burdened by, you know, just making sure I didn't make any mistakes. And if I did make a mistake, I wanted to correct it. Sometimes without you guys knowing. So sometimes on a Sunday after church. I'll be uh, jumping into my car with a piece of a downspot and I'm driving like an hour to go fix an extension that I forgot to put on there before the client complained. Oh my gosh. Sometimes you remember the time you filled up the, uh, the diesel truck with gas? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> we pulled after yeah. gas and uh, we forgot yeah. this was a diesel. That's what we labeled. We labeled it gas only. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. that was a yeah. system we developed. We did. We learned a lot of, to develop a lot of systems as a result of your leadership. It was great. Yeah. All right. I, so- you guys owe me. You know, I think you, you decided <laughs> we're not. This is too much screw up. We have to develop systems. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So then you get to the point. The, the, um, you're actually uh, one of the first franchisees we have jonathan and jeremiah that we've talked about that we did a partnership with to try and work out the kinks of if we were going to franchise this 
But we finally got it to the point. We had the, the, the documents. We had everything. And I'll tell you, you know, and then you guys became interested in that opportunity. So why don't you kind of just bring us right up to there where all of a sudden it went from, you know, second man to leader to I can make a career here with the skills ladder and all that to saying, okay, you know what? Maybe we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, Jimmy was working, like he always worked two jobs from the time he came to the U.S. So he w was working two jobs and putting himself through school when he finished his associate's uh, degree that he would just continue to work two jobs always. And so from the time we got married in 2010, all the way through to 2015, 16, 15, 14, 14, he was working two jobs. And it was killer, two full-time jobs. Yeah. And so he would hang gutters all day. He'd come home, eat some dinner, and he'd be right back out the door uh, going to his nighttime job. So, like, it was insane. And I remember one night he came home. It was 4 o'clock in the morning. Actually, we had, we had bought a house uh, up in New York. I don't remember how long before that, but, like, maybe a year or so before that. But he got home at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, what is he doing home and he had lost his job because he fell asleep at work. Duh. Like, like, you know, so he had fallen asleep and um, he was exhausted. I mean, he was just wearing himself out. And so we had a long conversation that night from four o'clock in the morning until he went in, you know, to work for you guys about what we were going to do. And so it was, it started things in motion. And I was six months pregnant with our second and it was a big deal. That second job was the one where he had his insurance through right. and it threw us into a tailspin. And so he went to you guys first just for a raise. We just needed something, right? And you guys were so generous. Like you put him in charge of like safety or something and just said like, yeah, here's a raise. And so that was great, but it still wasn't long-term plan. So I remember one day he came home and he's like, I, I think I, just, I, think I, I want to start my own business. And I was like, wow, it was the first time I saw something in him that was like a spark in him that was like, I have a, an, a plan, I have a vision, I have an idea. And he said, I think we should move back to Pennsylvania. I think where, where my family's from and start a gutter business. I was like, I love it. I don't want to do that by ourselves though. Let's sit down with Ryan and Kenny. Let's see what, what they, I was like, we knew that Jeremiah and Jonathan had like some sort of branch. We we're like, is that an option or can you at least support us mentor us teach yeah. us something i was actually thinking more of like a, a jimmy or jimbo's, jimbo's gutters, gutters and now it turns out right here in pennsylvania there is a jimbo's gutter so that wouldn't oh. have worked you <laughs> should have trademarked it back then <laughs> so i remember saying all right go into work tell ryan and kenny that you want to sit down with them that you're thinking about starting your own thing how can they help us how can they support us and I remember my jaw nearly hit the table when you guys said, we just submitted paperwork to the state to start franchising. And I was like, what? And we were like, yes. Like it was a, yeah, it was, there was no doubt in our minds. Like that's, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember um, you guys, I mean, I've never been asked so many questions. Uh, I think Jesse, uh, we should have you read all legal documents. You, you went through that, you asked questions, you, we'd, we'd have a call and you'd have your highlighter and the seven questions that you wanted answered. Yeah. And I remember going through that process and it was awesome. It was really cool. It was the first time for us, obviously first time for you guys. And it's, a, it's big, it's life changing. Mm -hmm. And I remember 
very clearly, uh, one of you, or I think it might have been Jimmy, said, you know, you're going to have to convince us why we should do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember really like pausing and, and saying, I will never convince you yeah. to do this. Like that's not, this isn't a sales pitch. This isn't about me trying to show you all the benefits. It's like, if anybody could have done it on their own, you've seen everything we've ever done. And at the same time, it's like, if it's my salesmanship that, or Ken's salesmanship that has you buy a franchise, and then all of a sudden it's not what we said or what you thought, like, forget it. I mean, do you remember that? Cause I really was not but, about convincing you guys. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I'm the biggest reason that we, were well it was a wise thing to do to grill you guys anyway but the biggest reason was because literally everyone in our lives except for our parents was telling us this is a terrible idea like everybody was like are you out of your minds and we were like we really believed in you guys we know you guys personally we trust you right and so we were like they're not like pitching us some they're not like trying to you know i, I but we had a, a friend of the family who was a lawyer look over the fdd and he was like this don't is a do terrible it. idea. Don't, don't, don't do it. it. Yeah. You know, because there was no history, right? There was, we were the first ones signing on as, as franchisees. franchisees. Yeah. Right. So it was terrifying. It was so terrifying. And it, like you said, I remember Jimmy being like, I need them to like, tell us it's going to be okay. And he was like, no, we can't tell you. It's, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you know, but like I said, like, I think we knew we were going to do it, but we just had to iron out and make sure everything made sense before we took that plunge, but wow. Yeah. It was, it was it, and I was just going to say, it was, you know, again, like we said, we, you know, we had a, a you know, firstborn who I think was a, a two, three years old at the time. And we had a baby on the way and we had, you know I mean? We had just bought a house, I think maybe a year before. Yeah, and so, that was a nice house. That was an awesome house. We actually had one of the, uh, the, the, the company's parties there, I think. Yeah, one, yeah I still have pictures yeah. of you guys. Yeah. In, uh, cornhole. It was an A-frame. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> I love that. So, so I'm, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, so the, the idea of just, you know, you know, uprooting and, and move into a different state and starting afresh, it was just terrifying, especially mm -hmm. when all the naysayers were telling us that this was a terrible idea. Oh, you don't want to go into franchise and this is, you know. Franchises are miserable. Yeah, these guys <laughs> are just... Uh, these guys are just. I wonder uh, what they're saying now. Yeah, know, right. Like this, they're just. This is just their way. Uh, what do they say? That this is just their retirement plan to yeah. move to to move to the Bahamas or something. This is just. There's no guarantee they're going to keep supporting you. Yeah. I mean, all the negative oh things, all the things, you know. And I actually have a, my cousin's husband who's in business. He's a great guy. I adore him. He Adam like like spent an hour trying to convince us not to do it, and now he's like, "Oh my gosh, guys, I can't believe I did that to you." He's like, "This is the best decision of your lives." Like, I, he he feels guilty about it to today, but it's still it 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 actually like spurred us on. Yeah, know? it we you know including my own dad who's been in business before. I mean, he was you know he was like, but he I think he was more cautious of the fact that you need to know all the details. You want to be able to do your homework before right. you make a decision. And that was wise counsel, I mm -hmm. believe. And so okay. when we fi finally decided to do it, it was, we said, okay, we're just going to do it. Yeah. We're just going to do it. If it fails, it's not because we didn't work hard. It's because the system is not working. Yeah. And ultimately we're yeah. people of faith and we truly believe that this is the way that God had us going. And you know, there was like little testers of like laying out our fleece and saying, okay, God, if this is what you want us to do, then our house has to sell. And at that time, it was not a seller's, it was not like things were not going quickly. It, things were sitting on the market for a year and our house sold in like a month and a half. And like, 
little things like that that just kept us moving. So I guess the system worked, huh, Jim? It's yet to be determined. The system work a little pretty good? <laughs> well, yeah, we definitely want to talk about that. But I, just, I wanted to say something about um, a lot of times the people that are saying, don't do that, why wouldn't you just go in on your own? It's normally the concept in their mind is, you know, why are you going to give them money or royalties or pay them a percentage? You could keep all that right. yourself. Mm -hmm. um, is that true? Is that statement, um, you know, what do you think about that statement? I tell people now that if you have the entrepreneurial spirit and you want to be a business owner and this is like what you're excited about, why not franchise, right? Like why- Why reinvent the wheel? Why reinvent the wheel? Why start from scratch on something that people have Figured done, out. have a brand, a system, an idea that you can jump on board with and not start you know, from nothing? Yeah. I, I'm, why? You know, you know, your guys' situation is a little bit more unique than the typical person, though, that's looking to start like their own mom and pop type business or have the option to go franchising. Because a lot of people, I think, were looking in at your guys' situation saying, hey, Jimmy, you have all this year's experience and you work for these guys. So why would you want to team up with them when you already know their systems? Why wouldn't you just go out and do your own thing? And, you know, can you guys speak to that a little bit of, you know, what was the decision in your mind that, you know, made you lean towards making the decision that you did? Mm -hmm. Right. I think, you know, obviously the idea of sort of like a fast track, if you will, uh, was also appealing, you know, mm -hmm. and especially I felt like, in my opinion, I, I was more in a sort of like a desperate mode where, again, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had a communication and media arts, um, you know, uh, uh, degree. degree yeah. um, and my wife doesn't think I use it very well because I don't communicate very well at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I need well, to you communicate well with your employees. Right. <laughs> that I do very well. Hey, that, that directly benefits you, right, Jesse? That's right. What's that? <laughs> I'm communicating well with the employees. Oh, yeah. No, and, and the other thing, I think the other thing, oh, now I lost I my train of thought. Oh, well, go ahead, I finish, finish your thought. Go, yeah. go ahead. So, so the idea of the fast track yeah. was appealing. I, I just thought, man, if I start my own thing and it didn't work out, you know, for an extended period of time, I, I would probably have regrets than if I went with something that's already established. You know, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I didn't have to, um, you know, come up with my own everything. And mm -hmm. so that was appealing to me. Um, and so we, we just decided, you know what, yeah. let's go with this one because it's already established. I think the results can come much faster than if I started at Jimbo or Jimmy's Gutters. We knew nothing about business, yeah. nothing. Like it's scary when I think about it now, it's terrifying how much we did not know about business. Like not, not, not a class in business, not a book, not a, not a, you know, obviously not a degree. So it was really like, we trusted you guys to help teach us too. That's that was awesome. the thing. And I definitely want to talk about your guys' transformation in business and, and who you are now from knowing nothing about business to actually becoming mentors and people picking your brain. But I do want to um, ask you about, uh, there's, this, there's this saying that we've all heard since a kid called the American dream, you know, and it might mean different things to different people and it might be sort of almost in a negative light by some people. But I mean, when, when you think of the American dream, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, I think everyone, especially in America, they define the American dream differently. I think 
the sort of like conventional uh, description of an American dream is, you know, you have a nice job, you know, you have a wife and kids and, and a decent sized house with a, what do you call it? White picket fence mm. and stuff, you know, and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the American dream. So for some people, the American dream is owning five private jets and living in five different mansions every weekend. Mm. That's the American, that's their American dream. For me, knowing my background and where it came from, Coming into this country with very little, I think I probably had like $20 when I came here, and being able to kind of work my way up. If I lived in a two-bedroom apartment and I stayed that way, to me, that would have been an American dream accomplished. Wow. Uh, because coming from where I came from, at the time, opportunities just weren't there. And so if you ask me now, what is the American dream? I feel that uh, I've worked my way in the last almost 18 years that I've lived in this country to be able to come from where I came from with $20 in my pocket to where I am right now, where according to the conventional American dream is, you know, you know we have a nice house, you know, you know, you know married with, you know, a beautiful wife and, and four beautiful kids. And uh, we own a business and we have employed people and given them opportunities mm -hmm. And so it's not just for us. Not only did we create opportunities for ourselves, but now we have created opportunities for other people. And for me, uh, that is an American dream accomplished a million times over. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. So I remember specifically, and this was probably after you guys bought or right before that, um, Jimmy, I think you said this. You said, Ryan, I'm going to follow this system to the T. I'm going to do everything you say, because if this fails, it's not going to be my fault. It's going to be your fault. Now, you know, sitting here on this end, you guys have definitely followed the system closer than anybody, I think, uh, so far. Why was that so important to you? Well, now we'll answer this in two parts. I'll, I'll start and then she can kind of, you know, chime in. <clears throat> but again, we, I didn't, I, I wanted to feel like I did my part. And that the system did its part. Mm -hmm. On my part, I wanted to know that I worked so hard that I left nothing on the table. Mm -hmm. On the system's part, I wanted to trust that if the system was real, it will work. And so if it didn't work, it wasn't because I didn't work hard. It's because the system was flawed. Mm -hmm. okay. So my idea was if I combine the working hard with the system, following it as it should be, the combination of the two should, uh, should produce a great result. Right. And so I remember saying it to you guys that, Ryan, Kenny, this is what our goal is. We've talked about this, that we are going to follow the system. Whatever it says, exactly how it says is we will do that. And I will work hard so that if it doesn't work out, it's not because I didn't follow the, follow the system. It's because the system does not work. Mm -hmm. And we came here and yeah. we followed it. To well, I told him, I remember <laughs> telling him, obviously the system works like they grew i saw you grow because it wasn't it, when jimmy and i got married that was just at the beginning of when you guys really started to like you guys rebranded and you started with the coaching and i saw the skills ladder came in and i saw what you guys were doing and i thought we can recreate that i but then so for me is i know that jimmy nothing Jimmy touches is going to fail. He's, he works too hard. He, he would not let it happen. He would not allow us to fail that I was confident of. So I already kind of knew like, okay, these systems look like they're working well. And Jimmy, Jimmy would never, 
he would never fail us in this. So it was like double confidence there. That's awesome. And that's a that. great point that you brought out there. It's that, you know, the activity level that Jimmy has just in everything that he's done is hard work. And yeah. just because you buy a franchise doesn't mean that you're not going to have to work hard. Um, you, d- you definitely have to work hard to make the systems within uh, a company, you know, run. It's not that those systems aren't going to run themselves. And Jimmy, you're definitely one of the hardest workers I've seen. So you've, you've done a great job. Yeah, I think uh, just uh, if 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 I would, I think sometimes there's a <clears throat> there's um, this idea that well, you know, if I'm going to buy into the system, the system should just make things work, and that should make me a successful business owner. So I think that those who subscribe with that idea and then they don't come in and do the work that it takes to get the system to work so that it produces results. On the other hand, there are people who think that well, I'm such a hard worker that regardless of if I don't follow the system, if I don't follow them well, that should make me successful because I am a hard worker. And if that's the case, then, you know, go start your, your Jimmy gutters. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, there's got to be a combination of the two. Right. If you're a hard worker, you follow the system, you put those together, it produces results, mm-hmm. period. And I think that we are a living proof of that probably 10 times over than what we actually expected. We didn't expect that would be where we no. are today. So. <laughs> yeah, so hard work's important and, and there's no doubt that you guys are the hardest, you know, working people, you know, that you work so hard, but how did you go from just, you, that doesn't always translate into a great company that might translate into somebody who can make a good living for themselves or be a good owner operator, but you guys have actually built a team and you're probably one of the best recruiters out there as far as, getting people and getting them to work for you and you built a company and that's hard work but that takes special type of leadership and yeah. culture uh could you talk about that how are you able to build a company you know that has your type of work ethic yeah well for once i think for one you know we we tried it the way, the way most people do which is you know like, i went on craigslist and you know indeed and blah, blah blah and i'm not really getting any uh you know, uh, you know, any recruits or anything like that. Uh, for us, you know, first of all, when we started, we, it was word of mouth. And then we're able to get, you know, one, two guys uh, uh, who we basically brought in, talked to them about the vision of what we wanted to build, not just a job that was for them at that moment, but the, hey, think about yourself a year from now, two years, three years, five years from now, what we can be together. If, we work as a team and if you buy into the vision. And so I think we did a great job of, um, you know, casting that vision for our people to be able to see. And then of course, you know, over the years, we went through some people here and there uh, and we reached a certain point where we were just really struggling Mm -hmm. to recruit. We wanted to go from, you know, from one truck to two trucks and we just couldn't get to people and the head trash started to kick in. The head trash is real when it comes to recruiting. And it is just that it's trash. It's not, it's, it's fiction. It's not real. It's whatever you make it to be. What's that? What's fiction that you can't find people? That you can't find people, that you can't find good people, that you can't, because we believe that. And I think we had a changeover in our mindset because we thought, I don't know, especially when you're a small business, I think you kind of feel like people are doing you a favor. I don't know why. That's like, it's ridiculous. But you kind of feel like, oh, I finally, we got somebody. Like, oh, they, 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 they believed us. Or, you know, I don't know. It's so stupid. But like, 
But then we had a change of our mindset because we were at the Grand Summit Conference. And this is another reason why you got to keep reading, educating yourself, listening to podcasts, being on YouTube, whatever it takes. Rub shoulders with all the best of the best because it starts to wear off on you. And there was a photo that Nolan painting down in Philly, which is an hour from us, they put up a photo of their team at conference and it was a hundred people, 100 painters. That's just folks in the field. And I remember to very, very clearly. He looked at me. He I, was like, he's like, how do they do that? Yeah. He's like, here we are, we are complaining about recruiting five people that mm-hmm. we can't get five people to work for us mm-hmm. in the field. Mm-hmm. And we know that we pay well, probably higher than the average, uh, you know, around here. And I said, and we can't, we can't recruit. This has got to stop. This is just nonsense. It's head trash. Yeah. And so that picture, I remember actually taking a picture of that picture. Okay. And I said, if these guys can recruit a hundred people to work in the field, there is no reason why we can't be able to do it. He became an animal. It, I, I'm not kidding you when I say we got to the point where I was like, we have too many people. <laughs> I told him that. I was like, we don't have enough trucks for all these people. Like at one point, we literally had 12 guys and five trucks. And we, we, ha- we bought another truck because we were like, these are all good guys. We have the work. Let's get another truck. It was like Jimmy became insatiable. Plus we he he filled a role that he needed to fill for a long time which was giving up sales and hiring this killer sales rep that freed up his brain to be mm-hmm. able to recruit better yeah. and that it was and everywhere was we went we recruited and what do you begin to realize too that as you um get rid of the head trash and you start to really work hard and looking you know past just the conventional ways of recruiting as you build that team the team now starts to kind of build itself mm-hmm. because now, you know, this one great guy says, Hey, listen, I have this friend or I have this cousin or this brother-in-law, this guy who I used to work with him and he's a really good guy and he doesn't like, like where he's working. And I've talked to him about the culture mm-hmm. that we have here and he wants to come and work. Just wow. this morning, we had a guy who started working for us. Because his friend who's worked for us for two years has been pursuing him relentlessly mm-hmm. to come and work for us. Mm-hmm. See, well, there's That's a lot right. of things that you guys hit on right there that we could go down and talk about. Culture, creating opportunity for others. Um, the, the one thing I'd like to see hear you talk about a little bit more, from the time that you took that picture and saw that 100-employee-plus company and to what Jesse said, to getting your company, she's like, no more, Jimmy. We have too many applicants. It's just going crazy. It, it sounds like to me, that you, she, said, she said specifically that you be, just became an animal about it. And, and I, I really feel that that's a really important piece there because I think in order to, 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 to overcome the obstacles that we overcome, whether it's uh, recruiting or it's uh, hitting a revenue goal uh, or anything in business for that matter, I, I think we as owners do. We have to become animalistic about it. And can you just describe a little bit about what were the behaviors that you changed from that time to get to that time? It, it sounds like to me you raised your activity level and educational level and learning about all things recruiting is is that safe to say can you describe what that looked like over the time that it took first of all i stopped listening to you know to the crowd you know like 
you know, you, you, sometimes you want to validate certain things. So yeah. like I would be struggling recruiting and I'll be like, hey, are you also having the same problems I'm having recruiting? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so then you're like, all right, oh, so I'm not the not only one. So you know, hard. so one of the things <laughs> is I had to stop talking to the wrong folks and, you know, basically tune them out. That was very important. Uh, that's part of the how you get rid of the head trash mm -hmm. because people help you put trash in your head. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I basically, you know, blocked them out. Uh, secondly, I started thinking, okay, what other ways can I recruit other than the Craigslist and the Indeeds and stuff? And that means, you know, if I was at a networking event, part of my pitch was not just about the services I provide, but hey, by the way, we're really growing in the Valley. If you know anyone who's looking for a great place to work, have them give me a call. And we got, uh, you know, uh, 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 some candidates from there. Um, again, like I said, it was just being able to talk to, you know, we developed, uh, for instance, um, bonus programs and things like that for mm -hmm. folks who, uh, who are already working for us, um, who, you know, would tell them, hey, if you know a great person that wants to work for us, you already know the culture, you know, they're going to love it here. If you can recruit someone, we're going to give you this certain amount of money. So you, uh, sort of like a combination of those things, um, you know, I think is what is, uh, you know, there's a confidence too that comes along with building your business where you know what you've got and you know, it's good. And you, we know this, I get emotional when we talk about our team because we know how much we love them. We know that we would do anything for them. And so we know it's a good thing for someone to come work for us. Like, so it, it, it does, it becomes a part of all your conversations. Like, Oh, if you know anybody, like, because we know that they're going to come and they're going to be taken care of and, and they're going to become a, a part of a great team and a, and a great system and a great right. vision for the future. So and you guys have done that so much. So in your business that you, it, it from what you've just said is that you, you have a waiting list of people that are waiting yeah. for a position to open up uh, in your company. That's, yeah. that's incredible because that just talks to the culture part that you were talking about there is that people, you've created an awareness in your community that you have a great culture and people, people want to have a great work environment. They leave jobs monetarily, but when they get there and if the culture is not good, they'll leave to go to the next job that pays a little bit higher. Yeah. But when you've created such a, you know, how, how did you guys, how did you guys learn how to do that? Like what did how did you create such a, a, a great culture to, to go along with the system? Obviously that's, that's important. They go hand in hand, right? You can have a great system, but if you don't know how to create a good culture of, and then you're leading these people and creating opportunity, then you know, your business could fall flat on its face too. Can you speak to that a little bit? You meet Ryan and Kenny. That's, that's, that's initially how we did it. So listen, so I was an athlete. I was always an athlete. And one thing that you do as an athlete, when if you want to get yourself to the next level as an athlete, you you change your thinking, right? You do visualization. You you find another athlete that is significantly better than you, and you emulate that athlete, right? Like, how does she move? What does she do? How does she lead her team? And you start emulating that person. And that's what I've always done in my life. And so we used to like we, we didn't feel it in the beginning. You don't always, you don't feel like you don't have that confidence. You don't, you, you know, but we would go into meetings with, especially with our team. You're like, all right, you be Kenny and I'm going to be Ryan and let's go, you know, let's do this thing. And especially in the hard ones, especially in the hard meetings where you're having to talk with someone about something that you're not happy about, or you're, you know, things like that. And being able to, because it's, it's a maintenance thing too. You're not just building a team and like, look at all these people that want to come work for us. Not everybody is, is worth hanging on to. 
And I love when we can look at our guys in the eyes. I told them at, at our Christmas party this year, our end of year party, I, I was able to look them all in the eyes and said, if you're here, it's because you, well, I don't remember my exact, but like, because you deserve to be here. Nobody is here that should not be here right now. And it's, it's cutting, it's trimming the fat. It's getting rid of people that don't fit the culture. And Jimmy has, he had a switch over in that as well. We had some really toxic people on the team at right. times. Yeah. yeah, I would say too, you know, again, working in New York, we saw, you know, and you, you heard us speak about emulating. So a lot mm -hmm. of it of stuff we were emulating what we saw. And I think you've, you guys have heard me say this, where we never looked at you guys or they're up there and we're up here. You're always like on the same level. And so that was a style of leadership that you chose where everybody mattered. It, we weren't just employees and just numbers. You'd find someone on the hallway and you say, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. You, know, you do like a fist on the, you know what I mean? And so you, and then you obviously, you know, we would go out sometimes like, hey, it's a team hangout this month. Then we just go out and sit somewhere and have some, you know, some wings and stuff like that. So a lot of that are stuff that we absorbed based on my experience then. I, I saw it working on how we kept the team together in New York. And I said, I want to copy that. I want to copy that. And so a lot of the stuff that we do today, now we've made some of it our own, but there are things that I experienced, number one, and I absorbed them and I brought them and now I'm importing it into, uh, into my organization. That's amazing. So I, I want to I want to talk about how I mean you talk about how much you worked in the beginning, and I don't think anyone buys a business thinking or starts a business thinking that they're going to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week for the rest of their lives. We obviously do what we got to do to get to the other side, right? And now you guys are five years in. Um, when did that change? And do you feel like you're on the other side or? Talk about that transition from going nuts to actually starting to reap the benefits of why you sacrificed, moved your family, quit your jobs, all that. Oh, man, the beginning was rough. Uh, and I think for us, because we were sort of like the, fr the first franchisees. And so I think there was still a lot of stuff that you guys were working on to get better. So at the time when we started, it probably wasn't as great. Um, but then... <sighs> I came in and we both came in and we just, we said, we're just going to work hard. And so we sacrificed a lot. I, I think I was oh, working wow. probably like 16, 17 hours every day. I would start at three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'm not even sure where I was going at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and I wouldn't be back until like, until like 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I would be back again the next day at it. But I mean, I was networking, I was putting up boots everywhere, just getting the name out. You know, and then we started to kind of see sort of like the transition and the fruits so like, okay, this is worth the hard work. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you know, so it came from 15 hours to 13 hours and then to 10 hours and then to eight hours. Mm -hmm. And five years into it, uh, just the transition that we have seen, it's, it's, it's mind blowing where sometimes I'm like, how did we get here so quick? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I know. You know? Like, I, I'm like, what am I going to do today? All right, yeah. let me find some networking and I need a new book to read yeah. because, you know, we're, we're training people, we're managing people. Uh, but some mornings Jimmy wakes up, he's like, I guess I should go into the office. <laughs> so I, I, So what I'm hearing is that there's different phases that you go through in business. 
So the, the startup phase, we all know, is, is a tough one, right? And that can make or break any business, whether you're a franchise or not. And it sounds like to me the activity that you were, it's kind of like working out. If you go and work out once a week, you know, you're going to feel that pain every week mm-hmm. and you're never going to get to the next level. It seems like you put enough activity into it and went through a lot of pain in the startup phase. Uh, and even though you buy a franchise, there's a startup phase and you got that through that pretty quickly, which I'm hearing kind of the, the, the sounds of like now your business is either semi-passive to passive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that's three phases that businesses can go through uh, depending on, you know, what an individual's vision is for the business mm-hmm. uh, is startup, semi-passive, passive. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that and how, right. where you guys feel that you've come from and where you're at right now? It's pretty semi-passive right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a huge part of it is also, you know, we talked about developing a team. Um, and which is, I think, which is part of the franchise system. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, how fast can we replace ourselves yeah. uh, from every a role race that to replace, the race to will. replace? A wise man once said that. <laughs> 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 and so we we set and up TM Lang. <laughs> <laughs> we set up this idea and this vision of we want to build a team so that we can quickly replace ourselves because the more you replace ourselves, you, you replace yourself. Number one, now you're freed yourself to be able to focus on the bigger thing than the previous one. And not only that, now you have created an opportunity for somebody else to take. And so as we were replacing ourselves or as we were building the business, we kept replacing ourselves and that moved us to the next place that allowed us to keep now building the business and so you know it's like replace and you build you build you replace Mm -hmm. and uh you know again like i said uh, right now you know we're at a a pretty good place where we you know the business is semi you know passive and we're we're still working at at it so that um, we we gotta have like a one last big huge push to make sure that we don't get sucked back in right right? so yeah. So, I mean, we're training up a field supervisor. Uh, we're grooming our office manager to be general manager in the next two years. She's hiring an assistant. We've got, we need more depth in sales. sales right. And then, you know. And then I think uh, we're on to the next thing. Yeah. So. so, Jesse, you've had an amazing arc with this company as well. Since you guys started, I know in the beginning you kind of were doing the back office stuff and then that, that changed a bit, but I'm, like what I have seen in you is unbelievable as well as what we've seen in Jimmy, but I, I, I can't help but want to talk about it because you've literally become probably business coach level going in five years, going from, you know, calling us for things to then now people are seeking you guys out for advice. Talk about your arc. I'd love to hear about that. I don't know. I'm not, so I'm a little more like Jimmy's like, tenacious like get stuff done like ferocious like he's not gonna let something fail because he's just like man I'm a lot more cerebral like I have to be able to understand it I got to be able to grasp it and really like when we first started I didn't necessarily I had no idea how this was gonna transform me I still thought I was a teacher that was helping him with the business right and suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, like I, there's value in this. Like I, I can add value to this. And I really grabbed a hold of, I guess, like the more cerebral side of business, right? Like being on top of the numbers, 
uh, you know, just a ton of things. And the details. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we always felt, again, I think, you know, the, the roles that we kind of took, like I've always felt like more like a Kenny who's like the visionary, the yeah. big idea, you know, yeah. like, hey, we're going to do this, you yeah. know, and then Ryan comes with, yeah, and I got some ideas on how we, we you know, we can put yeah. all the pieces together. Yeah. And so that has worked so well. I think the same way it's worked for you guys, it's worked so well for well, us. Well, and I love that I can know. raise our kids. We've got four little ones. We got eight, five, three, and eight months. And when we started, we only had two. So we've been building this business while growing our family, which is like. Whatever business does that to people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Other so, people have a lot of kids. It's that magic number four. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. But Mine had to break the mold here, though. <laughs> Like, he was too cool to hang out with us. He yeah. had to go I'd rather make babies. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love the freedom of that. I love that like I can choose when I'm working and when I'm not. And that we we can focus I could focus on the kids during the day and I can work in the evening or if I want to work during nap time or whenever I want to work is when I'm gonna work. And I really grabbed a hold of like when the first conference I went to, I was like I'm never missing a, a Grand Summit conference again. Like that kind of stuff. I love learning. I love learning. And I grab hold of it and I get excited about it, you know, reading books and, and just, you know, because that's the best way that I could support him. I can't go out and, and train the field. Not, I mean, I can, but I, I, I choose not to because our family is my priority, you know? So I took on more of the I guess like the professional side of how do we hire talent? How do we, you know, things like that. So hiring admins, being on top of sales, things like yeah, that. But again, back to you, the question that you asked Ryan is, you know, because she's so good with, you know, being so analytical and the math brain side of it, which most of the time I have to yield to her for that. Um, you know, she's been able to, you know, for instance, that uh, people who call for validation calls and things, she's able to walk, you know, through it with them so clearly that they understand people have called us sometimes for certain kinds of advice because she has that analytical brain for me it's more of like if people call me it's more like oh you know this is what you should think about doing yeah. uh, where she jumps in there and she's able to yeah, break things and I mean, down well because you got because the coaching the you know the consulting and and you guys creating a system there are it's like, there's an app for that. You know what I mean? Like, remember that silly old catchphrase that, but it's, that's how I feel about the business. It's like, there's so many people that we know we have business owner friends that we adore that they're like, they're still kind of flying blind, you know? And I'm like, there's, there's an answer for that, you know, because we've got the spreadsheet or we've got this or we've got that. I know if I can see it and I can grasp it, I know this is our goal and this is our gross profit goal. And this, and I love grabbing hold of those things and being able to achieve you know, based on what's set in front of us. So I love it. And you guys, you mentioned something about having the flexibility and you're yeah. kind of on the other side of the business. And I know your vision is changing and you want to do bigger and better things because you got, you got here faster than you thought. When it, let's dream a little bit. Let's say you're in your sixties, you know, maybe even seventies. What do you picture? Do you picture that far? Do you picture your kids being in this? Do you, do you have a little bit of that formulated at all? Uh, you know, I think, you know, just like any, any parent, you know, you, you know, you want to create better opportunities than what you had, you know, growing up. And so, you know, I feel like I'm, I, we've created better opportunities for our kids than when I was growing up. And so the idea is always like, what about them? You know, when they get older, what opportunities will they leave for their kids? And so, 
it's always enticing to say, you know, we want to build this thing to an empire that mm -hmm. they can, you know, then take over. Just like many folks uh, in the, the Donald Trumps and the Bill Gates have created wealth that will be passed on to generations to come. Uh, and so for us, the idea is like, well, we, we want to build that. And if it's their goal to take over, that's great. But we sort of are in this place where we're like, we want to let them curve their own paths mm -hmm. and choose what they want to do. But we want to leave this thing to a point where if they chose to do it, you know, that it, it will be in such a healthy position that, yeah. um, you know, and if yeah. it's not them, then we'll leave it to the next guy who will, you know, obviously, you know, uh, value it as much as we do. We were talking about this, that like, we feel like we still don't know what we want to do and be when we grow up. You know, like I thought I wanted to be a teacher. That's all I wanted to be when I grew up. And I wanted to be a mom. And it, but then, you know, it's like, oh, but like, I'm not dead yet, you know? And it's like now we're business owners and we're loving it, but we're going to get to a point soon where it doesn't need our full attention. So what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, like, yeah. like the sky's the limit. And we talk, we've talked about opening. I, I would love to start a not-for-profit. I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but it will happen. Uh, you know, he's talked about other investment opportunities, things like that. So it's like, more brothers gutters yeah you know. more territory <laughs> other businesses who knows but it's like we just kind of walk by faith and one step at a time and i definitely have seen like you guys especially like appreciate i think you were the first ones that called us your mentors you know and i think when you buy into a franchise or something like that you can think of it more like oh those are the founders or owners but you guys always thinking of us as mentors has always meant a lot but i also see that in you guys I see that, you know, you value mentorship and I believe you give it back. So I, I sincerely believe that as this thing grows and gets bigger, that you guys are going to have a role um, where you're utilizing your gifts and teaching. I mean, you're awesome at that. You've grabbed onto situational leadership and a lot of the, the cool teaching stuff you love and you're really good at. And, and Jimmy, you know, with the, with the vision, with the systems, like I just see gigantic things for you. Um, so I'm really excited, excited about that. And uh, the changes have been incredible from Jimmy and flip flops and a tank top <laughs> to literally thinking about multiple territories, other business ventures. Um, you've gotten so far, you guys, in, in, your, in your story arc. And I know everyone thinks you're an overnight success, you know, but that took, that took your whole life. You know, that overnight success was, you know, Jimmy, you figuring out what you were doing, going to Germany, not working out, coming here, looking for opportunity. Jesse, your same path, going through school, becoming a teacher. You guys continue to look for opportunity, you know, and, and right now, five years into the franchise, you are where you are and you're, you're extraordinarily successful. But I, I just don't want anybody who's either listening or that we're mentoring. I think they always look at where you are right now and they want it today. And there is an arc to it. It was so hard. Can I tell you that when we first started, we were living in a two-bedroom apartment with five people, right? We, we had three kids. Actually, we moved in with your parents as we were for starting. For a time, we sold our house. <laughs> we moved in with my parents for a month or so until we found an apartment. We were in a two-bedroom apartment, had another baby, stayed in that two-bedroom apartment for three years, you know, two years. So, it, I mean, things were hard. Things were tight. We things were strained. For we were exhausted. Uh, Jimmy was burning out at certain points, which is part of why we had to replace ourselves. And, you know, I mean, it's exciting to talk about and we get really jazzed up about it, but phew, there were some, 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, like you said, a lot of times people think that it's an overnight success. And for mm-hmm. us, it's not even, it's not a journey that started five years ago. So, so you know, you can look at it and say, well, you know, it, oh, it, it, took them, it only took you five years? No, for me, it took me, you know, mm-hmm. since 96, mm-hmm. you know, getting out of high school and having no idea. You know, I didn't always love school. So, uh, you know, if you didn't, in Kenya, if you didn't go to college, uh, and if, even if you did go to college, the opportunities were still very rare. So struggling, not figuring out what I wanted to do or even having an idea of what I could be. And, you know, coming to this country, it's been over 20, 20 some odd years in the making, you know, coming into this country and kind of like starting from scratch, not knowing much and, and, and struggling through those years of working two full-time jobs for a long time, being fired from my job just six months before we had the baby, losing my health insurance, you know, and, you know, just working our way to, to now and then starting a business and then, you know, kind of progressing to the point that we are. It's been, it's been years in the making. And mm-hmm. along that journey has been a lots of ups and downs. I always say that if I was to write a, uh, a story about my life, it, it definitely would be a New York uh, best, uh, what do you call it? New York <laughs> Times bestseller. Right. So much details of the ups and downs of life um, that brings you to a certain point. Um, and so, yeah. It's not a five-year journey. It's been many, many years in the making. So if you could sum it up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So do you, do you think that, um, you know, now that you're looking at and you see these new wave of franchisees coming in year after year since you guys were one of the first, uh, what do you, do, 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 what's your feeling about that and how, how uh, you know, what, what do you think the how, – how do you view the opportunity there uh, for them that are getting uh, launched you know, even this year compared to how you were. They're in a much better position, you know, five years is a long time. I mean, what I love about uh, the Brothers Got Us franchise is that um, they don't, you don't, you didn't build systems and stop at that. Every month there's something new that's coming or something better that's, you know, that's been advanced. Yeah. And so they're starting from a much different place than they, than we did uh, five years ago. And the same for people who are going to start three years from now. And so the opportunities are real and the possibility of success is real. Um, and we don't sort of suppress the hard part of, of starting, Mm-mm. but we can also testify to if you put in the hard work and if you, if you follow the system, remember that mm-hmm. if you follow the system truly into a T and you work hard, you're going to be successful. Uh, and I think we have proven that. Well, and the same time, culture, so. the same culture that we try to create in our business, you guys continue to create even in the franchise. Like it's a family. I don't want to see anybody do you. I want to see everybody destroy our numbers. Like when people are like, Oh, we're coming for you. I'm like, you better like you better. I, you, if you're not doing a million dollars by your second year, I'm going to be so disappointed in you. You know, like I just, I want to see people do so well. I want to see people make our numbers look like chump change. Like I want everyone to just to, to flourish to the point where sometimes Ryan's like, Jesse, it's not like, I, I'd be like, well, maybe I can help them with their numbers or like, maybe I can, like, what if I, what if I just, you know, went in and, you know, and it's like, oh, it's not on me, but we really do have that like family mentality. Like we're all in this together. We're all supporting each other. We're con- in constant communication, all the franchisees. Um, and some people too, they come in with already having some sort of background in business. I was like, are you crazy? You're going to kill it. Like you're going to do so awesome. So it's such a neat thing to be part of a franchise. I, I, I love it. 
We appreciate that. We love having Thanks you so guys. much. You guys are our biggest cheerleader. It's awesome to see your success. And we love that that we're part of it, but you guys are the ones that, that made it happen. Um, so we talked about a lot today. We talked about a lot about hard work, a lot about vision. Uh, sometimes you're thrown into the fire and you got to go make something happen. So if you guys could maybe sum it up, you know, I'd love for you to sum it up rather than me. Anybody who's kind of maybe in startup mode, not necessarily, you know, somebody who's bought a franchise, but what, how would you kind of sum up, you know, to kind of get where you are, if you're somebody who's in business or thinking about starting a business, how would you sum it up? Uh, I mean, I think there's so many different ways and I can tell my piece and, and Jesse can and, and then add to that. But first of all, you know, you have to start somewhere. You know, if you're going to fly, you have to start by, you know, crawling, right? Mm -hmm. And within that crawling, sometimes you fall and you flip over, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start to walk, right? And with those, within that walking mode, you're going to fall a few times, but you're progressing. Yeah. And then from walking, you're going to run, right? And then from running... If you have wings, you know, you can fly, uh, get ready to, you know, to, to fly. So get rid of the fear. Someone said that a fear is, a, is an enemy of progress. Yeah. Fear is an enemy of progress. If you're fearful, you can, you can make all kinds of excuses. Oh, you know, I don't, it's not the time yet. Uh, it's not, I don't have enough money. Oh, you know, so-and-so doesn't think it's a good idea. So getting rid of the fear and the head trash and starting, if you have a dream, start, start wow. today. You don't have to have, um, how do you Americans say, all your ducks in a row, right? Put some ducks as you go, One right? Duck. One duck, start with it's one fine. duck. But, uh, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then just grow. And uh, you know, I always say that you know, if a kid from Africa who grew up in the villages of Africa, you, who didn't have you know, all the rights of being an American citizen bestowed upon him. And I had to come here and work hard with the little that I have and, and to be where I am today, you have no excuse. The fact that you're born in this country and you have every right and every opportunity, mm. that's all you need. Everything else you can take and make it work. Mm. And uh, we are here today, I think, because number one, I believed in the dream, the American dream that if I came into this country and if I was given an opportunity of coming here, that's the only opportunity I needed mm -hmm. is to come into this country. And I've taken that and I've ran with it. Everything else I had to make for myself. So mm. uh, that's how it out summit. Uh, so if you're thinking about starting with the Brothers Gutters or any other business, get rid of the fear, start somewhere. Figure it out as you go. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. my story. That's my story. You want to add? That, Jesse. That? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.